you better be ready because we are live. Kim Bracken, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing good. How are you, Brett? I'm good. What's going on in the LA current? What's what's happening? We are staying wavy, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> you know, it is such a fun group. It's a re- I mean, I know everyone has said that, but no one's lying. It's like this really neat collaboration of different minds and people and energy from all over the place. Um, I just feel so fortunate to be here. Like we laugh a lot. There's a lot of fast swimming going on. Um, we collaborate a lot. Like our home coaches are mm. outstanding. Um, and we just, we have a lot of fun. Like it's, it's a really good group. Who are a couple of people that you've got to know well over the last you know week or so that you didn't know before? I'm getting to know Lenny. I only knew Lenny a little bit. Oh, Lenny, um, Lenny's a good man. Love Lenny. He really is. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could tell that from just our conversations before we ever got here, but um, he's so invested in mm-hmm. this team and in the league. Like he's really invested in the league um, and helping this team grow and, and kind of create a brand. Um, and he loves the athletes. He's always engaging with the athletes and, getting into the coaches meetings and what are we doing and has great input. Um, Love hearing about his family, his daughters. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's been fun to get to know. Um, Michael Weston is one of our uh, home coaches. He is from New Zealand Mm. and he's a huge swim nerd and loves to talk swimming and knows everything about it. Um, And is like a huge sponge. All he wants to do is, talk about what we're doing and how we do it. And what did you do here? And what did you do there? And please watch this. So it's, it's really fun to be around him. That's cool. Yeah. And then another home coach that stands out is Felipe. I don't know Felipe's last name, but he's here with our uh, Brazilian and Argentinian group. And um, also very engaging. Uh, it's fun just to listen to him talk to the athletes. Cause I'm trying to figure out what they're doing <laughs> when I don't understand the language. Um, and he's just taking care of that group so well. And he's young. And uh, I think he's just really stepped up to the plate. So those are some people that, and coaching-wise, clearly all the athletes. I'm, I've been so far out of college coaching that so many of the, the athletes I don't know personally. So it's I had a checklist at first of everyone's names, mm-hmm. making sure that I took time to talk to them as a human being. And I, I've gotten through the majority of that checklist. Um but it's really fun to get to know them as people and, um, and then watch them some fast. What are they asking you to do as an assistant? How are they bringing you into their programs? Um, well, some people clearly have a, a setup that they're very comfortable with. Um, for example, the Cal group, Dave was here for 10 days and he got them all set up. And um, so with them, it's like just chit chatty. Hey, how's it going? You know, having some fun. Um, on meet days, it's a little bit different, you know, maybe getting a little bit of pace or giving some feedback on, on races. Um, there are a few women in particular that don't have a set group. So I spent kind of the first week figuring out where they could slide in because it's no fun to work out by yourself mm. for a week, let yeah. alone six weeks. Yeah. So really trying to find a little home for people and kind of morph some programs a little bit. Um, so writing like, um, 
a warm up that five or six different people can do, and then they can break off into their main sets. So I'm doing stuff like that, mostly with the women. Um, hanging out in the weight room. I think right now, I mean, we've been here almost two weeks, but I certainly was um, very aware of not just yeah. over inserting myself. Um, so I'm becoming more comfortable giving more feedback, um, reading people, knowing when they want something and when they don't want something. Um, they're all professionals. They all know what they need. Um, so I'm trying to be a little bit of a fly on the wall at first and then kind of build into it a little bit more. Do you think this is something that will be sustainable, like achievable or, um, you know, for a coach to set their sights on wanting to be an LA current assistant coach or is this, is this realistic? Like can people aim for this? I sure hope so. I mean, I want to come back next year. I don't know. You know, it's, and it should be competitive. Like it should be competitive to get um, a job with one of the, one of the ISL teams. Um, But is it sustainable? Like, are you making money off it? Like I know, you know, I know the ins and outs of it, but for the, just the general people out there who like see a Kim Brack and be like, wow, is she actually getting paid to be there? Is she doing it for free? Is she, you know, how does she do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You get paid. I, I, you know, it's not a, crazy salary but for me it was it was worth it for the opportunity to come out and and be around this level of athlete I think you know other people are I mean I see a lot of coaches who've sort of come out of retirement right that are on staffs there are some club coaches here um I absolutely think it's sustainable yeah because I think um I think that for any coach when you can be around a handful of the best athletes in the world whether you already have some in your home pool anyway, when you're around new athletes, like the opportunity to learn and practice your, your craft is like, who doesn't want that opportunity? Even Dave Durden, like he had fun when he was here, you know, Mm -hmm. he had fun with his guys. He had fun engaging with us as other coaches. And I would venture to guess he walked away learning something a little bit different. Um, So I think if you're open-minded and you, you know, that's kind of what, motivates you and there are i know enough coaches like that in the world um yeah and and the home coaches i was thinking about this like this is the best coaches clinic i have ever been to mm-hmm. you know if, if it's like like these guys i was talking about coming here like a sponge and just every day going to the pool and watching athletes prepare to race prepare to train um, different drills they're doing, how they interact, how they prepare to even get in the pool, what they're doing in the weight room. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from my podcast, I think it's the second best coaches clinic in the world. Second best. <laughs> well, look, they're in your bedroom, Kim. How many people get to go into your bedroom? Look at this. This is cool. <laughs> Woo, there it is. <laughs> um, so listen, tell me this, what's happening with lineups? You guys have got a good feel for your team now. Um, how do you guys go about the lineups? Tell me, you know, I, I know the ins and outs to so talk to me about the frustration or not the frustrations, but the, the angst that you guys go through to pick a team. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different facets to that. Number one, I feel like, um, we're in a little bit of a tough spot having it. So on the first meet, nobody knows what anyone's going to do. I mean, you yep. can have an idea of little depth chart we've created, right. But you don't know how people are going to perform. Um, so we come out of that. We're like, okay, we have a little bit of information on our team and some others. And now we go into our next match again, two unknown teams with Toronto and Tokyo. 
So I feel like we're making our first lineup all over again, have a little more information because we know what we're, how, where we are. Um, so there's just that angst. Um, then there's the, um, who's a relay only summer? You know, who do we need to, where, where can we put people so they are maximized um, without overusing them, right? I mean, we could put B in like 10 different events, but we can't put B in 10 different events because she'll be a mess by the end of it, right? So barrel I'm talking about, or I'm probably saying it wrong. I know we just call her B. Um, <laughs> and then there's the component of wanting to win the medley relay so you can pick the skins. Yeah. Then there's the component of, could we get jackpotted in this event? If we're potentially getting jackpotted, do we put somebody who is, you know, close to not getting jackpotted um, or do we save them for a relay somewhere else? So they're fresh. Um, there's just so many different moving parts. And um, I find that we are, um, you know, we're probably doing 10 different puzzles at the same time. Right. And they all look really, really similar. It's mm -hmm. like the empire state building from four different perspectives. How do you talk to the athletes about changes in lineups? So, I mean, they, they want to hear the lineup, two days before they swim, but obviously you guys are making ch changes all the way up to the meet. And then even during the meet, there's some shifts. So how do you relay that information to them? So what might be frustrating for them is we were generally we, we, the first meet, we didn't share the lineup until the day before. We're not planning to share the lineup until tomorrow afternoon, which is Friday. So they're not getting much time. We have, um, you know, we, they have an idea what they're going to swim. And, and we talk to people throughout the week. Hey, you might be going a 200 back. You might be going a 200 fly. You might be going the 100. They have to be flexible. They know the outcome is, the, the desired outcome is a win. Um, and so I think that they've done a really good job being flexible, expressing where they think they'd be best. Um, but I get the sense they're all team players. Um, and then during the meet, I think what we did last week is we just talked to people about this is, there's a strong potential. There could be a change here based off of what happens, you know, in the first section of the meet or, you know, from day one. And again, there's just um, some resilience that I think is what makes them professional athletes, right? They, they know they have to kind of roll with it. Yeah. We're on television now, Kim. And there's a responsibility that comes with that. We're not just um, one big happy family anymore. It's all sitting around singing Kumbaya. We've got, we've got to get people to watch us. You know, we've got, to, we've got to pull people back in. Are you guys having conversations with your team, your athletes about any of that? How do they bring out their personalities? How do they, how do they showcase their competitiveness? You know, anything like that to really talk about pulling the audience back in to want to watch us again. Um, well, I think first and foremost, we just talk about fast swimming, like bringing in the potential to, and I think our men did it extremely well. The first meet, I, I, there were some upsets there. I think we had some people like, wow, this was not expected from the LA currents. So I think that helps, but that really just helps with swimming fans. People are already, mm -hmm. you know, really mm -hmm. dialed into the sport. Yeah. Um, personalities. Yeah. And, and there's certainly the league has really talked to us about that. Like, get behind your team when you get announced, um, you know, for your swim, show energy, show your personality. And 
the first day when it was talked about, I was like, oh, this could be challenging, I think, with the empty stadium. I felt like across the board, I was, uh, I only went to, um, during the second match, I only went to the first night, um, the first day of it. And I thought between our match and that first day, I thought all the athletes did a really good job exhibiting energy. Um, now, is it enough to draw in fans? First of all, they have to be tuned in, right? Like I think from what I've read, there was, you know, good viewership, but I've heard people complain that it's not being promoted enough. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, you know, hopefully club teams back home are talking to their kids about watching swimming, watching the ISL. Um, I wish we had more time on CBS, you know, where people are just clicking through their channels and they're, they stop, they stop on the ISL and they're like, wow, what is this? You know, like, just like I did with cornhole the other week, you know, <laughs> like that's where you find just that generic person who's never really watched swimming besides maybe the Olympics. I was talking to a, a camera guy today and he's like, I've done, this is my first ISL. I've done FINA for like five years, World championships, all this stuff. He's like, this is by far the best swimming event I've ever been involved in. Why? He's like, it's just, it, brings people in it's not just the swimming geeks that are watching it it's just people who people who watch boxing are going to turn this on and be excited by it because of the lights and the action and the, and the scores going back and forth and back and forth so I think that the concept is really good but it has to be promoted and um you know yeah. people have to get engaged yeah, we, we definitely need some backstories. There's a lot of people on your team that may go throughout the whole season and you, you don't even know who they are. You know, like they, they talk a lot about the winners. They talk a lot mm -hmm. about the people that are that are jackpotting, but you don't hear a lot about the jackpotted, you know, and uh, you don't see them. You know, I just talked to Ali and she's like jackpotting's a new word around around the, you know, no one wants to be jackpotted. And so, you know, there's got to be a little bit of that. There's, there's got to be heroes and villains. You know, there has to be some villains as well. There has to be some raw emotion. Um, you know, uh, there's just a lot of lights and a lot of winning. And I think that just that there's got to be a little bit more depth to it than just fast swimming. Because I love fast swimming for sure. But only after a while, you kind of know it's, it's almost predictable. So it's like, I want something more, you know. I love mm -hmm. MMA, Kim, and, and I get blood and and uh you know broken bones and we're not going to get that but you know you certainly get people that um show their competitiveness and and we we just need a little bit more of that i think but um we'll get there but but so far i'm i'm enjoying it it's it's good tv yeah are your kids watching it um uh, no they don't like swimming <laughs> they don't like not swimming. even this swimming no not even this swimming not interested <laughs> but yeah They've never enjoyed swimming. <laughs> don't don't take don't pull my kids. Pull someone else's. <laughs> what about yours? Are yours watching? They didn't watch it live. My husband said we couldn't find it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Even my mom found it. My mom knows nothing about anything about technology, TV. So I was a little disappointed about that. But they're watching like replays and yeah. you know seeing stuff on Instagram and YouTube. Um, but yeah, it's like, I think it's going to take a little while and hopefully Constantine and, and the rest of the ISL crew have the patience and the funding to do it. Um, Cause I think it's a great concept. I really do. 
Well, give us a little bit of the Kim Bracken competitive spirit on TV and tell David Marsh to do the same thing. You know, like we can't, we can't sit around just, you know, letting the Cali Condors walk all over us, you know, let's, let's, let's get it going here. So um, that'll be fun. But anyway, listen, I appreciate checking in with you. You got a few more weeks there, so I'm sure I'll, I'll pop in again. All right. Yeah, that'd be great. We are, uh, we're missing you. People talk about you all the time. I appreciate it. Well, I'm just um, trying to, trying to, tell the, the, the personal messages of the LA current, you know, I'm, I'm on my way to doing that. So that's my job right now. I love it. I love it. We're the next LA team to, uh, bring pride and enthusiasm and energy to the, to the city for bringing home wins. So we're going to follow in our footsteps of our Lakers and get a win this weekend and squash some frogs for God's sake. (laughs) All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 100 100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd Pace Clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out. All right, Ali Tetzlov, how you doing? I'm doing great tonight. Uh, had a had a dirty double. Both fast workouts today, so I'm I'm feeling it. It is it is almost nine o'clock here, so definitely a little tired, but looking forward to a sleep in tomorrow. And looks like you're coming from the massage room right now. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I am live in the uh, massage team area for LA Current. Obviously, there's nobody here. No, I did not just come from a massage, but I wish. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you structure your days? You basically, do do you give yourself a recovery day after racing or how are you structuring your weeks? You've got about five days between races. Yeah, so everything is just, it's always changing the bubble. Like everyone is always on different schedules. We never practice the same time from day to day it's always like on and off when we practice and when we lift and just the times we for meals and everything is just always changing um but yeah after I compete I have more of an aerobic low aerobic recovery sort of day and then I hit it get some threshold out of the way um afterwards then I go into speed and power work and then I have another recovery day and then I do more like race pace fast um back end speed work would be the next part and then more race prep and then it's the meet basically so that's basically how my weeks are structured right now okay now you in the first meet you swam in a couple of relays correct yeah so i was in the i was in the four by 100 mixed and the four by 100 uh free relay for the women now, are you looking at the lineup and, and thinking to yourself, well, you know, I could beat this person on our team. You know, there's only two spots for each event, individual event, right? You've got the 100, 100 free, two spots, 100 back, 100 fly. I mean, you can swim different events. Are you looking at it and thinking to yourself, well, I'm, I'm in the top two or three here. And then you go and, you know, talk to a coach and say, hey, I want to swim this event or I want to be considered for this event. How do you go about it? Yeah, so the coaches have actually had uh... – had a suit up a couple of times this week already just to see for fifties, um, just to kind of see like what we're at, where, where we're at in training and what we're kind of going right now in short course meters. Cause obviously, uh, 
my team is mostly American and uh, we're not really used to the whole short course meter concept. So I think the first meet was a little, it was kind of a learning curve, especially if you're new to the ISL and new to short course meters. Um, but yeah, they had a suit up and I swam a 50 back and a 50 fly. And, uh, you know, I swam some pretty, some pretty fast times, but there's, there's other girls that are also popping off some fast times right now too, which kind of makes me excited and get excited of like, all right, well, like I could be in that, but like also she could be in that. And um, we just have a lot of depth on LA current. And I think it's really, it's really good to see because it's like, you know, they might not be swimming consistently. Like this lineup we had this past weekend, they might've been beaten out by me or someone else who just did the relays. Um, so it's cool because it's going to be ever changing over the meets. Um, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I have talked to the coaches about possibly giving me an opportunity for some individual events. So we'll see. I know there's some situations last year cause we were on the team together, uh, yeah. where, you know, these two, two types of scenarios appeared where it was maybe you were on an event or one of your teammates was on an event and they weren't swimming as well. I didn't swim as well in, an, in a race and they got pulled off the next race or, or the inverse of that was, um, you know, you're sitting on the bench and coaches like, Hey, you're up. What are those yeah. two things like? How do, how do you, uh, deal with both of those scenarios? Yeah. So I, I think I had, I had two opportunities last year to swim the hundred free individually. And I think one of them, I was just like, I was pulled off the bench and just was told to like go swim. And I don't know if like the second person just needed more rest or like race too much, but you have to be on your toes and you have to be very flexible with kind of what's going on and what's happening um, with the team and, um, how everyone's racing and just be very flexible, I think. Um, so I've learned to be flexible this year as well. And, um, obviously like this past meet, I was just a relay only swimmer and I was totally happy with that. Like kicking off season two kind of relaxes the nerves a little bit going out with, you know, you're walking out with seven other people versus just one other person for an individual event. So I think going into this second meet, my nerves are going to be a lot more calm and in control versus the first meet of like, Oh my gosh, I'm racing again. It's been since March. Um, but yeah, just stay flexible during these meets. What was it like last year um, stepping into a situation? Who, who were you intimidated to race? Maybe you hadn't, um, met the person or you hadn't raced that person before maybe you've just seen them on television who was that one or two two people that really intimidated you last year um well obviously big names like sarah Schoestrom, like mm -hmm. she that was always i was always in awe of her just watching her compete because she's so versatile um and that's a little intimidating and you kind of watch how people do their walkouts and you kind of, I mean, I think you've touched on this a couple of times with different podcasts is like, you know, who's going to win the race just based on how they carry themselves to the block. Mm. And I think it's definitely a learning curve coming in as a professional and just kind of realizing like the way I carry myself is going to portray how I'm going to swim. So, um, 
I've kind of just been taking notes this season. I think that's been the big difference of like just watching how other professionals carry themselves around pool deck, even after bad swims. Um, but Sarah Schoistrom is definitely, she's one to watch and she always amazes me. Um, and then being in Budapest last year for the first time. So that was my first time at an international meet uh, like that. And that was awesome. And I was just so like in awe of the facility and just how many fans showed up to that meet. Um, it was very intimidating, but I was very excited and it was very new to me. Um, and then this year, obviously we have no fans, so it's a different sort of environment, but it's, I think it's still a positive one. And I think the teams are doing a really good job of like creating that atmosphere again. Well, I appreciate your honesty there. You know, it's a tough question and, and you were brutally honest in, in, in the fact that, yeah, we all get intimidated by people that we see on TV at times and all of a sudden we're racing them. But now I guess for you, there's certainly a sense of belonging. I mean, you've gone from a, a collegiate athlete to now this international swim representative star on one of the, one of the biggest teams in, in the world. So you must feel like I belong now, right? Yeah, for sure. And especially going into this second season, it's like, I, I was a little like weary of joining this season. And I mean, you kind of know that just from knowing me. Um, but I'm so glad to be here and just be a part of this and the growing of the league and this culture. Um, last season, we talked about team culture a lot. And, you know, being a, a collegiate athlete, and then being a pro, it's, it's very different. You realize like, oh, I am, I'm doing this for myself. And then being a part of a pro team, it's it kind of brings you back to that college atmosphere and being a part of a team again. Cool. Well, listen, you've got a really interesting story and I do want to have you on one of my shows as a full podcast one day. So I don't want to get into everything right now. I really did want to just touch, touch in with where you're at and what you're doing right now and just to see you again. And um, I'm, I'm glad to see you racing. I do want to touch on one thing though, this, this concept of everybody liking each other and everybody being friends. I see a lot of, a lot of stuff coming out um, where everybody's hanging out and everybody's happy to see each other and everybody's happy to be in a professional setting. But is there some sense of, of real competitive spirit? Like, do you, you don't possibly like enjoy losing. I know you don't like losing. So like when, when you lose a race, how does it really feel? It's frustrating uh, for sure. Um, I think at times when you do lose a race and I've seen, just this past weekend, just people getting jackpotted. That's the new term, jackpotted. <laughs> um, being jackpotted. I see the frustrations on these swimmers' faces and just, I don't even think it's frustrations. I think it's more like disappointment of letting your team down. Um, so I think it's there. Um, I don't really know if people are going behind each other's backs being like, oh, I hate this girl now. She, <laughs> she or anything like that. Because I think and maybe that's our sport transitioning into that a little bit more. But I think as of right now, it's just very, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's just swimming. <laughs> and we do have those friendships from other teams and other countries. And I think it's really cool that we do collectively come together. But I mean, you're definitely right. Like you watch other professional sports and you see kind of that hatred and that like nitty gritty of like smack talk basically. And maybe eventually this will kind of transition into that. Um, that'd be kind of cool to see. 
Just- well, I mean, we are a professional sport now. We're, we're, we're on television. You guys are on television. I watched it on CBS. So yeah. what we have to take into account is how do we bring viewers back and how do we retain viewers and how do we get just the general person who's not a swim nut like me who's obsessed with swimming, how do we just get them to watch on a consistent basis? And, you know, there, there are things like, I mean, we saw, you know, the um, Phelps and um, and uh, who, who was it in the ready room where they were kind of like, Chad yeah, Chad LeClow, you know that. And then we had Lily King and FMOVA kind of going at it, you know, so like um, people love that stuff. So the, do you guys feel a sense of responsibility even to like be, be coming up and producing some of that stuff to capture people's imagination or you're not thinking that way? Honestly, I don't think we're really thinking that way. And that that might just be as like a collective um, or maybe just like with LA Current. Because um, I don't really think we want to like portray our team to be like that. And like I said, maybe it'll eventually transition into that. Maybe it needs to be kind of built up by the media or maybe the ISL itself just kind of like put us head to head a little bit more. Um, but I think yeah, we are, we are professionals, so we don't really want to be seen in like a negative light. So maybe, maybe it'll change. Maybe uh, we just need to stop kind of beating it around the bush. And well, yeah, we need some antagonists. We need some rivalries, <laughs> you know, we need some people that, you know, um, yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying we have to be rude and we, we have to be <laughs> obnoxious, you know, but yeah. There is a there is a, a sense that it needs to be shown as competitive. You know, it yeah, needs sure. it, there needs to be people that are happy to win and beat the people around them, and there needs to be people that are, that are really pissed off to lose. You know, and I want a little bit of that at least. Um, so let's <laughs> let's get some of that going, Ali. Talk to the current for me, all right? Um, and then the other thing I was going to say are the are the are the ISL themselves doing anything other than the meat? Uh, you know, they're, they're obviously doing a great job of producing the meat and putting the meat out there, those two hours, are they doing stuff behind the scenes? Do they have cameras following you guys around? Are they doing any backstories or anything like that? Uh, not that I have seen. Uh, actually, I take that back. Um, they have been doing a little bit of backstories. I know um, Alyssa Marsh was interviewed because she's doing, you know, she's balancing a teaching job, a master's and a professional, you know, being mm. a professional swimmer. So they have been like trying to incorporate that, but it's not like, we're not having cameras follow us around. There aren't cameras at the hotel. Um, there aren't cameras at our practices. Mm. So it's very, not what you would expect for, from a professional league. Yeah. No, I mean, like if I wasn't doing this with you and then, and then putting it out there for the world to see, we, we wouldn't be seeing you sitting in a massage room, you know, just ready to go to bed fatigue from practice. Like this is, this is real life right here. And this is kind of what people want to see. They want to see real life. They want to see behind the scenes. It's interesting, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, for sure. I think the league needs to do a better job of kind of getting that rawness of, they're athletes and you're right I saw your Instagram post from earlier is like we know the stories of the the top ones of the team but mm-hmm. like what are those fifth sixth seventh eighth place people doing like what's their story mm-hmm. um and I think you're right like they are kind of like trying to get this backstory going but it's not enough mm-hmm. and I think they need to do more media coverage and Put the meat out there more. I was kind of reading a swim swim article today about like 
how many views CBS got in America. And to be honest, like, yeah, it was a lot, but it wasn't nearly enough compared mm -hmm. to other sports. And it's not nearly enough to kind of keep the league afloat, to be honest. And it's kind of eye-opening. It's like, are they really doing a good job? Are they doing enough to put this out there and put us out there? Um, so I hope, <laughs> I hope maybe they'll hear this message of like, they need to do a better job of media coverage and just kind of what we're doing. And yeah, we have like Instagram takeovers for our direct teams, but there's nothing cohesive under the ISL that's doing, pushing media forward and pushing our stories forward as much as I would like. Well, I, I agree with you. I think that needs to be done, but I also want to put it back on you, the person who's wearing the LA current sweatshirt right now. You're part of a team. You have the voice. You have, you have teammates. I think it's also your responsibility to go back to them and say, hey, how can we produce some great television? How can we put, put out some different content? You know, instead of you guys just walking across the bridge every day, I've seen that about 30 times now. Give me something else. You know, give me some new stuff. Um, give me you guys sitting around playing cards and somebody, you know, you're getting, you're getting all up in each other's face playing cards. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I think it's also the responsibility should be put back on you guys to give us some yeah. content where we're, the, the audience is going to be captured. And then, you know, next time you get a chance to spit in Sarah Sostrom's lane, I think you should take that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> she might look at me and go, uh, who are you? Exactly. Uh, that's, I guess that's part of the story and part of the yeah. journey. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. But um, listen, I appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. And uh, we'll get you again over the next few weeks. All right. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brett. Thanks, Allie. Bye. Bye.